the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. If you've listened to Exploring the Word uh, much, you may have heard Bert Harper and myself quote Charles Spurgeon. He was a great minister a century ago. Spurgeon once said about the mercy of God, Charles Spurgeon said, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light, make space too narrow. Any of these things you could do before you could diminish the great mercy of God. And with that quote, we open today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we resume our look at the Old Testament book of Micah, which, uh, Bert, there is some severe condemnation of sin. There is the reality of God's judgment, but clearly we will see there is the offer of God's mercy. And uh, old Spurgeon was right. Uh, more than the water of the sea is the immeasurable mercy of God. Would you agree? I would agree. And he was, you talking about someone that had word pictures and adjectives to describe uh, Spurgeon. If you can get any of his sermons, uh, 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 his devotional book, get it. It will bless oh, your heart. Well, Alex, talking about that, we finished chapter 3, and it ends in judgment. Let me just read the last verse of chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruin, and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of the forest. Now, mm. that ends chapter 3, but listen to chapter 4, because you're just talking about the judgment and mercy. But listen to this promise in chapter 4, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow to it. What a contrast. But that is the way God is demonstrating this through Micah. The judgment of God is severe but there is that hope that he's going to use the remnant, he's going to expand it, and he is going to have his will done where all the nations, I love that passage when it says, and in verse 2, many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Alex, there's a promise there, brother. Mm, well, there is. And you know what? Um, Way back many, many years ago, uh, this would have been probably around the time of Christ, but Jewish history thought that maybe in the last days people are going to return to the mountain of the Lord. Maybe that meant the return after the Babylonian captivity. Uh, but obviously we know there's much more than that. There's not only the return of the Jews to Israel since 1948, and in the 73 years since then, my goodness, uh, Israel has become one of the world's superpowers. But we know, and I believe verse 2 of Micah 4 speaks also of the millennium. Uh, Many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the law shall go forth of Zion, and of the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Bert, um, do, doesn't this speak of ultimately, ultimately yes. that day of worldwide peace when the world is what scholars call the peaceable kingdom, 
because Christ the King is ruling. You are exactly right, Alex, and you can tell the difference, uh, what this is talking about, in the return from Babylon. Uh, it was a remnant that came back, and they never established themselves as a great kingdom, never. Uh, they had some success for a while, but they never did. And this is talking about a great kingdom, a coming kingdom that is strong, and, and I, I would say powerful that God is in charge. And that's what you have in verses 1 through 5, this coming kingdom, because when you get to verse 3, we get to familiar territory about the peace. Let me go ahead and read that as well. He shall judge between many peoples and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What a time that will be. You know, man in his own, I would say, initiative and desire has wanted a, quote, utopia. You know, mm-hmm. wanted yeah. a desire for all this to happen. But man has not the capability. Uh, they do not have the power nor the strength, nor anything to bring this about. But God in his kingdom, through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, this kingdom is going to come, and it is going to be a wonderful time. It's going to be a great time. That's the reason people need to make ready right now, trust in Jesus as Savior, so when that time comes and we're with him, we return with him, we'll be a part of it, Alex. Uh, isn't, the, isn't that a beautiful passage in verse 3? Well, it really is, and and that's a famous uh, scripture that has been used in a lot of places. Uh, well, like the um, the United Nations building at one time, it says they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. But the, and you know, man will study war no more. And of course, there's been gospel songs that bar this phraseology. But here's the thing: um, turning the weapons into instruments of agriculture, turning swords into plowshares and and guns into uh, shovels and tillage tools so we wouldn't fight, but we would grow food and vegetables. Bert, that, that peace on earth can't come without the Prince of Peace. That's right. I mean, I mean you think about it, uh, 7 billion humans, and we've lived in an age, uh, some of us that are old enough, we've seen great leaders. I mean, we've you know, I, I visited a photography studio of a, there's a very, very renowned photographer in South Carolina, and uh, he's won many national awards and honorary doctorates, and you go in his shop, and guess what photo he's got front and center to show, of all the pictures he got to take, there's a picture of Billy Graham, because that's a that's a feather in his cap. He got to take a photograph of Billy Graham. Well, we've lived in the age of Billy Graham and Ronald Reagan and great leaders we could name and leaders of times past, people like Eisenhower and Teddy Roosevelt. But you know what? Fallen humans, even the best of us, fallen humans will never bring peace on earth. It will take someone who is holy and righteous and authoritative and there will be a day of peace on earth. No more weapons, but uh, swords into plowshares. Praise God. I love verse 4. Every man will sit under his own vine, under his fig tree. None shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. Bert, um, when I read Micah 4.4, 4, 
I picture just a beautiful day sitting in the shade of a tree, uh, maybe got a glass of iced tea, <laughs> but it's just <laughs> peace on earth uh, and no need to lock the doors anymore. But only Jesus can really accomplish this. That is so true. And the last phrase lets us know how it happens. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. You know, yeah. God, yeah. that's the authority. That is the power. God said it. You know, it is said, uh, God said it. Uh, you know, I believe it. That's all it takes. You know, God said mm -hmm. it. And if God says it, you can take it to the bank and you can know it's true. And, and Alex, we was talking about, you know, man's inability to bring about this peace on earth. Go back to that simple scripture about us being able to even be saved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everything man does in in relationship to the Lord concerning ourselves, promoting ourselves, we come short. We cannot measure up. We do not have what it takes. There's nothing good in us that would propel us to be able to bring about this in our lifetime. It is the Prince of Peace who comes. He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, so he has the authority. That's the reason, verse 4, the last phrase, the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. He's spoken mm. it, Alex, and when yes. he speaks, does that make you think of the creation? In the beginning, oh, yeah. God created. What did he do? He spoke and out came life. And yes. uh, so this is the whole idea, the life in the garden, but we're also talking about life here in this great, great kingdom that God's bringing in. Amen. You know, he did speak it into existence, and uh, that's something none of us can do. I mean, we can't call things into existence, but God did. Uh, Psalm 33, verse 9 says that God spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood fast. And, you know, regarding this ultimate peace on earth, uh, Bert, I'm kind of a news junkie, and very often the news is troubling, and, and I get that. I mean, current events, uh, there's a lot uh, wrong with the world right now. But in my heart, I have peace because I know King Jesus is reigning, and he will rule and reign. Uh, verse 5 says... Regarding that day, every for all people will walk, everyone in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. In that day, saith the Lord, I will assemble her that halteth, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. Now, the lame, uh, there's a lot that's been said about verse 6, Micah 4, 6, but it could, it could mean all the people that had physical infirmity are going to be healed, and the one that was driven out, literally the, the outcast, will be reclaimed. And I will make her that halted a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation, and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth forever. So again, we've talked about how Micah uh, is very good at making word pictures. Uh, imagine cripple people standing up strong. Imagine the outcast becoming a strong nation. That sounds kind of opposite. But see, every one of us is an opposite from what we were. I mean, we were dead, but if you're a believer, now you're alive. We were guilty, but now we've been declared righteous. We were sinners, but now we're saints. And that's what 
salvation does, doesn't it? It does. Now, notice this. uh, Again, I notice these things. Notice what it says in verse 5. The people walk each in the name of his God. But what a contrast. We walk in the name of the Lord our God forever. And then what you were talking about, the lame, the different ones, walking. Do you catch what I'm saying? In other words, there's going to be a transition that that which was lame, that which was weak, that which was outcast, God brings them in. Uh, you remember when John the Baptist was so concerned uh, he was going to be beheaded, and he sent some of his men to ask Jesus, do we look for another, or are you the Messiah? And Jesus said, mm-hmm. tell him the lame walk, you know, and, yeah. and, and the poor, how the gospel preach to them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and what a story this is. And this is Jesus uh, fulfilling what he did here upon earth the first time. He brought about the victory that we have in Christ. And in that day, he is going to complete not just the salvation of souls, but the redemption of the human, uh, you know, the, the world is going to be changed mm-hmm. during that yes. period of time. And, you know, Alex, I love that walk, so we need Amen. to walk in him. That's what we're asking people to do. Walk in Christ and let him have his way in your life. I know that we're up on a break here in a minute, but stay tuned because we have got to unpack verse 5 for just a little bit, and it relates to something that I was uh, sharing with Randall Murphy of the Journal and the Book of Revelation this morning. So hold tight. Uh, when we come back, folks, Exploring the Word will continue. We're going to continue with Micah 4, Bert Harper, Alex McFarland. A very power-packed verse, Micah 4, verse 5, plus your calls and your Bible questions live on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Stay tuned. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Rich Glick, chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. His office regulates the transmission and sale of electricity and natural gas in interstate commerce. Colossians 3.23 reminds us of the importance of good hard work. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask you to guide Rich Glick as he oversees the movement of our nation's energy supplies. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Dr. Tony Evans says the Bible describes God as the same yesterday, today, and forever. So why does he so often seem to change? We'll discover the answer today as we spend two minutes with Tony. God does not change in his essence, but he will change in his methods. He doesn't do the same method, but he stays the same person even when he changes his methodology. Okay, That's why he does some things in the Old Testament that he doesn't do in the New Testament. And one of the main things that affirms whether he's going to change or not are the changes we make. That is, the adjustments we make will affect how he relates to us, not because he's changed, but because we've related to a different part of his person. 
The sun does not change. The earth rotates around the sun. The earth rotates around the sun. Half the earth right now is dark. Half the earth right now is light. The reason that half the earth is dark is not because the sun is moved, but because the earth is turning. And because the earth is turning, things look like they're changing. When the sun is not budged, it is earth that has adjusted. So when people adjust to God, it may look like God is changing, but God is not changed. He's just responded to the fact that you have turned. That's why repentance is so important to experience God. It means you gotta turn if you want to experience more of God. Because if you're not turning right, then you're not experiencing the side of God that you want to experience. Find out how repentance can be the key to a brand new eternal life. Visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and open the Jesus link. Tony will explain how Jesus' death on the cross opened that door. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. This is Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you. We're in the book of Micah. That's in the Old Testament. One of the, quote, what is called minor prophets. Now, it might be in size, but not in the message. And we're going to get to that message that we're talking about. And chapter 4 is filled with promise. And here, I want to, we're going to go back to verse 5. Alex wants to say something, but I want to look at verse 7 and just say a word. It says in one phrase, so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion. I just want mm. to tell you, one of these days he will reign over all, but he can reign over your life right now and let him be Lord. Uh, he is Lord, so all you have to do is receive him as he is and let him reign over your life. We pray that you have done that. If you haven't and you need questions and, and you mm. need some questions answered concerning salvation and your walk with the Lord, we partner with a group of people, Need Him, and you can call 888-NEED-HIM. That's 888-NEED-HIM, and you can talk to one of their counselors, and they will help you to come to the knowledge of Christ Jesus and invite him into your heart. We pray that would happen. And Alex, when that mm -hmm. happens, the peace that, that we've talked about, uh, the, the, it, that it, we're going to have it in the world, but we can have that kind of peace in our own lives, can't we? we? We really can. And, oh, this is such a privilege to do this and how honored we are. You know, talking about peace in this world, later on in Micah 4, verse 12, Speaking of a lost world, it says, They know not the thoughts of the Lord, neither do they understand his counsel. Uh, one of the reasons we have peace is, and look, even Christians go through hard times. Christians have, you know, deep valleys. But we have been shown the thoughts of the Lord. We, we have understood his counsel. Why? Because we read his word. And there is great peace in that. And we know that he will never leave us or forsake us. By the way, Micah 4, if you want a chapter that really is a companion chapter to this, it's Zechariah 10, talking about the millennium. But Bert, I, I'll share this very briefly. Earlier today, I was sending an email to Randall Murphy. Randall did a little six-question interview 
about our Revelation study, because you and I did a study on Daniel Revelation that became a DVD, I mean, an audio CD that is in the AFA store. Do you remember that? I do, yes. So Randall uh, did a little interview with me that is going to be in the AFA journal, um, I suppose, this fall, later on. And one of the questions was, what was the most surprising thing about your study of prophecy? And one of the things that is a little bit of a surprise, I think, is that near the end of the millennium, after 10 glorious centuries of peace on earth, Satan is loosed for a little while. And those that were born during the millennium can choose for or against Jesus Christ. And those that reject Christ are thrown in the lake of fire. And this is really uh, Revelation 20, 7 through 10. Now, here's my point. In Micah 4, verse 5, it might sound a little unusual because you're going to see the word God two times. Once it is not capitalized, and once it is capitalized. And Bert, I want, to, I want your feedback on if I'm understanding this correctly. During the millennium, for all people will walk, everyone, in the name of his God. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. All right, and you think, well, wait a minute, the millennium, some are walking in the name of little g, gods. But then, if you look in the Hebrew, others, though, are walking in the name of Yahweh, Jehovah Almighty God. Bert, I think one of the keys to perhaps understanding this is babies born during the thousand-year millennia, um, even though Jesus is physically present and it will be the time of greatest revelation in history. We know the tomb is empty. We've got the infallible Bible. Jesus is physically here on earth. And yet, at the end of the millennium, when Satan is loosed, uh, and people really that have never yet been born again, but they're physically alive, they have to make their choice, and some don't. Bert, is it fair to say during the millennium, some do walk with the true God, and actually, sadly, some do not. Alex, I would agree, and I would also add that that is true. Just think, if you would, of the twelve. Judas Iscariot was one of the twelve. As long as he was walking with Jesus Christ during that ministry, everyone, it looked like he was in agreement, it looked like everything was going well, but at the end, when it came time for the cross, and he was he was one of those that would sell out. That's the only way you can say it. And so these people can walk after their God. Whether Judas's chariots got God was money or power, you know, or I think a combination of both is my personal opinion. You know, he uh, he it was shown at the end. So at the end of the millennial, that will be true. But it's also, I would say, that is a true statement anytime, anywhere, that they're going to walk. But those of us who walk with our God, the God, Jehovah God, Elohim, for we walk in his name, there's something about that name, too. It's his authority. It's under his reign. Let me put it this way. It's kind of under his banner. You know what mm, I mean? Holding, yeah. I'm uh, under the banner of the cross, and so yes. we walk under His command, and that's what we do. And I'm praying that you have done that. Great point, Alex. 
Mm. Well, and Jesus is coming back. And that's why, you know, the, the song says, Jesus is the sweetest name I know. I mean, think about that, folks. Uh, think about it all day, every day. But when you're down, just remember, Jesus is coming. Jesus will reign. Jesus is in control right now, despite what the, the morning newspaper might make people think. I assure you, Jesus is in control. And, is. and, you know, Bert, whenever I, you know, look eastward, or if you hear somebody giving directions and they say, do east, I look up at that sky and I think one day that eastern sky is going to open up and Christ will return. He definitely Alex, is. Amen. In Second Peter chapter 3, uh, Peter was writing, he, he talked about it in chapter 1, about what you need to live in this world. That's the reason it's talking about add to your faith, virtue, and then knowledge, mm -hmm. and so forth and so on. Chapter 2 is talking about how to deal with false teachers. You come to chapter 3 in Second Peter, and it's about the second coming. And he says there's going to be scoffers that are there now and will be scoffers in the future. And they say, where is the promise of his coming? All things have not changed since the creation. At least they say the creation there. But he, God has intervened. He does intervene. He's intervened in history. He's intervened in, 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 in nations. I'm praying that he's intervened in our lives that he's come to make himself known unto you. And through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, there's someone out there that needs to come to Christ. And so, Alex, yes, get mm -hmm. right with Christ and do it now. And then you can be a part of this great, great ten centuries, a millennial of, of mm -hmm. Christ reigning. Now, if you would, so the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion, verse 7, and now on and, and from now on, even forever, and you, O tower of the flock, the stronghold, yes, this is the, good. Yeah, the daughter of Zion, to you shall it come. Even the former dominion shall come, the kingdom of the daughter of Jerusalem. God's mm -hmm. going to reign. Do you catch that idea of the flock, the daughter of uh, dominion? Do you see all the relationships? Mm -hmm. Alex, I could not help but notice in each one of those is a different kind of relationship and uh, those relationships that we have with christ is the one that continues for how long well in verse seven it says from now and forever oh yeah a amen well you know we're, we're getting into bible prophecy a little bit but revelation 14 talks about up in heaven every nation kindred tongue and people uh, and by the way in acts it references this too all right Think about this. You read verse 8. Thou, O tower of the flock, the stronghold of the daughter of Zion, unto thee shall it come. Okay. Peace on earth and being with Jesus is coming. Even the first dominion, the kingdom, shall come to the daughter of Jerusalem. All right. What this means, and, and your translation said what? The former? Former dominion shall come. Right. All right. In heaven there's going to be every kindred tribe and tongue and we right now are in something scholars call the church age jesus arose ascended back to heaven peter preached at pentecost and the gospel is going forth and here we are in the 21st century but there were these saints of the old testament era and in faith they looked forward you know noah was a preacher of righteousness abraham was abraham believed god okay what is the former dominion or the first dominion that also are going to inherit 
the kingdom and the king. Uh, Bert, at the very least, it may mean all of those Old Testament saints from time immemorial. Now, I don't want to get us off track here, but look, Adam and Eve, um, they had a knowledge of God, and they sinned, but God made them garments out of fig leaves. And people have pointed out that was God's grace. They disobeyed God. They were naked, but God clothed them. Yeah, they out of out of the skin of the animal of that he lamb. killed. Yeah, he yeah, did. they tried they tried to cover themselves, but God made them clothing out of fig leaves. I, I mean, out of the skin of a lamb. Right. But then, throughout the Old Testament, people responded to the light they had, and the former dominions. In other words, the people that believed they're going to be in heaven too. But we who know Christ and we've responded to the enlightenment that we've got the knowledge of the risen Savior, we're going to be there. So uh, I like verse 9. Now why dost thou cry aloud? Is there no king in thee? Is thy counselor perished? For pangs have taken thee as a woman in travail. Uh, Bert, um, you remember the, the, the psalmist said, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Hope thou in God. Hey, we, we do have a king and a counselor, don't we? We do, and he is the best. You remember what he said? He is the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. He, he is wonderful, and he is counselor. That's who he is. Jesus, and again, talking about this uh, kingdom, the dominion, which is connected, you look at it, and it's Jesus being overall. What? Why don't we have it now? Because Jesus is absent. You said it earlier. No peace that like this on earth without the Prince of Peace. But verse 10 says, Be in pain and labor to bring forth, O daughter of Zion, like a woman in birth pangs. And now you shall go forth from the city. You shall dwell in the field. And you shall go even to Babylon. Now, all of a sudden, it's kind of switched uh, gears into a, uh, a future judgment. And even Babylon at that point in time, this is amazing, Alex. Assyria was the country they were concerned about. It would override the northern kingdom completely and take them, you know, wipe them out, destroy them. The southern kingdom, they would take 46 cities until they got to Jerusalem, but ultimately they thought, well, Assyria will win. No, it was Babylon. And you shall go even to Babylon. There you shall be delivered. There the Lord will redeem you from the hand of your enemies. Alex, the promise, now notice, and, and it interchanges, and it always does this when it's talking about prophecy. You'll have that as talking about the millennial, and then it'll talk about a more immediate prophecy. Uh, and, and the illustration that helped me, it was given by my professor, Dr. James Travis at Blue Mountain. He said, what you'll do if you go west from, we were in Mississippi, of course, and you go across Kansas and you come into Colorado, and all of a sudden you see the mountain range. You'll see some that's in front, but those you'll see in back, and sometimes it's hard to distinguish. And it says when the prophets in the Old Testament were prophesying about concerning prophecy about what would happen immediately and what would happen like during the millennium and tribulation, that sometimes you have to look which mountain range are they looking at, the one that comes first or the one that's later on. Here mm. in verse 10, it's obvious they're going to be delivered into Babylon, and then they're going to be delivered back. And that is, and that would happen after this, uh, after Micah's prophecy. Mm, that is powerful. That is so powerful. Well, there's a little allusion here, I think, not only the 
the travails and birth pangs of a woman about to deliver, but even maybe a reference to Armageddon. Now also many nations are gathered against thee that say, let her be defiled, let our eye look upon Zion. And I had mentioned verse 12, uh, they don't know the thoughts of the Lord, they don't know his counsel, we do. Um, And all the nations that draw forth to really kill God and extinguish Israel, they will be gathered as the sheaves on the floor. And that's really like the the chaff to be thrown away from a threshing floor. Arise and thresh, O daughter of Zion, for I will make thy horn iron, I will make thy hooves brass, and you shall beat in pieces many people, and I will consecrate their gain unto the Lord and their substance unto the Lord of the whole earth. Now, let me just say, a song you probably don't hear in church too much anymore, Onward Christian Soldiers. Bert, you remember when that song was kind of in the crosshairs of people because they said, oh, that sounds militaristic or something like that. Um, Look, I know God is a God of love and salvation is freely offered to all. But I will say this, the Bible says that the Lord is a man of war. Now, it's not for us to uh, pick a fight with anybody, but... God is a conquering king, and his enemies, that's why, very, very sober. It says that those who didn't know the Lord are going to be thrown into the lake of fire. That's Revelation 20, verses 9 and 10. The great white throne, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. But you, verse 13 is a vivid description of the enemies of God that ultimately will be defeated. It is, and notice ver- the, the, th- the second and third line horn of iron and hooves of bronze it talks about strength and speed and and god's judgment comes on quickly against those alex they think they're powerful but i'm telling you god has the strength and the speed to deliver and we're going to take your questions your bible questions and that number that you want to call is 888-589-8840 American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Friday edition of Washington Watch, last week... The no more got... tolerance for abusive actions by monopolies. But is it really just another power grab by the federal government? Parents are not happy with classroom indoctrination and the radical policies they're pushing. Washington Watch, weekday afternoons at 4 Central and Saturday evenings at 6 Central on American Family Radio. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Nick Vujicic, an entrepreneur and evangelist born without his four limbs due to a rare genetic condition, plans to launch Pro-Life Bank, a financial institution that will serve as an alternative to mainstream commercial banks, most of which donate heavily to Planned Parenthood. Vujicic believes he's in a unique position to address issues related to abortion, adoption, and foster care. About 90% of banks give toward abortion. He says Christians must have better options for using God's money. 
He added, 50% of pro-life banks' net profits will be given to Judeo-Christian organizations to further the kingdom of God. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. 1 John 4 verse 8 says this, God is love. Emily Johnson couldn't have needed heart surgery without the COVID vaccine, but demand for the vaccine far exceeded the supply in her area. A young woman named Christy Lewis learned about Emily's plight on the very day Christy was to be vaccinated. She contacted Emily. Together, the women visited the clinic, and they convinced workers to vaccinate Emily in Christy's place. Emily later said this, I couldn't believe she gave up something so coveted to a complete stranger. Well, God shows that kind of love to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. His compassionate, sacrificial love transforms us and it will transform others. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. American Family Radio. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Hey, we're going to get to your calls and your Bible questions. The number is 888-589-8840. I do want to say, Bert, a quick word about truth for a new generation. Okay, October 15 through 17, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. We are going to talk about a biblical response to the woke movement, understanding how to respond to things like critical race theory, Biblical Worldview, Standing Strong, It's for All Ages, Frank Turek, Sandy Rios, E.W. Jackson, Miki Addison, myself, more than a dozen speakers, and you can learn complete info. Go to truthforanewgeneration.com. That's truth, F-O-R, truth for a new generation. And one more thing, one of preeminent youth ministries in America is going to be doing among our elective classes on Saturday the 16th, the second day, they're going to be doing really half a day on how you, wherever you are, regardless of what you you have for budget or whatever in your church, but how your church can really, really reach millennials and younger, evangelize and disciple young people. That's just going to be one of the many helpful sessions at Truth For New Generation, October 15 through 17. We hope you'll check it out, and let's get equipped to impact our nation for Christ. I want to just admonish those, get there. Uh, get there if you can and be a part of that. It will bless you. It will help you and strengthen you. Hey, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, we get as many calls in today as we can. We go to Ohio and talk to Sean. Sean, welcome. Hi, Bert and Alex. I appreciate your uh, ministry and just uh, enjoy every day listening to you when I get off work. So 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, my question is, do our loved ones that have gone on to heaven that were saved, can they see the loved ones on earth at all? Okay. Great question, Alex. Uh, it is, that is the issue about being, you know, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses uh, that you find in Hebrews chapter 12. Is it the witnesses that's talked about in chapter 11? Or is it people that's gone on before us and, and find out what's going on? Let me just say this a little bit, okay? Uh, I'm not sure they look down and see. I, I don't know for sure. I think that would be speculation with all mm -hmm. the scripture we have. But I will say this. Uh, there's no doubt when people that die go to heaven that their loved ones, we believe you'll know one another there. I think they may be filled with information and say, did you know that Jack got saved? Did you know that Sally got saved? You know? So I think there's rejoicing in heaven. And it says the angels rejoice. I, I, if I'm in heaven and I see those angels over there rejoicing, I'm going to try to find mm -hmm. out what they're rejoicing about, Alex. You catch? Amen. You see what I'm talking about? Uh, that's a great point. You know, I tend to believe that somehow, some way, like Hebrews 12, uh, 1 and 2 says, lay, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, therefore lay aside every weight. Uh, many preachers have said maybe from the grandstands of heaven, they're watching believers run the race and rejoicing. Um, we do know heaven is a place of bliss and joy, but it says that one day up in heaven, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, you know. Uh, that's in Revelation 21, 4. So tears in heaven. Well, maybe maybe there are some uh, not only rejoicing, but some anxiety. I, I don't know, but I, I know we will know one another in heaven, but to what degree the people in heaven now can see events here on earth? Bert, I tend to think they probably, at least to some level, that they can. I, I agree. We don't know. It, is it information or is it direct observation? We don't know. But I, I agree with you. There is some knowledge of that. I, I believe that that witnesses uh, includes those that's gone before us and those that are there now. And, you know, what I love about, you know, when Stephen was, was uh, being killed and being stoned, Jesus stood, you know, he was observing what was going on. I, at least if yeah. the loved ones mm. don't, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is observing and he is pulling for us. He's wanting us to succeed. And uh, listen, we need to walk with him. Thank you, Sean. Let's go to Kentucky and talk to Jake. Jake, welcome. What's up, guys? I'm. Uh, how are you all doing today? Doing good. What good. part of Kentucky are you in, Jake? I'm in western Kentucky. Okay, man, yeah. That's that's over Are close you near to Central City. Yeah, close to JJ Jasper Country. That's where JJ's from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, listen. When y'all were, uh, I I uh, had to check to see if y'all were reading Micah or Isaiah there for a minute. <laughs> yeah, isn't that yeah. great? Because <laughs> you know I I read because you were if you wouldn't if you didn't know that you were in the book of book of Micah that what you said at the at the first of the program uh somebody might 
might have thought you were reading Isaiah. It is, the first, yeah. The first, the first, uh, the first few verses of of, uh, of Isaiah chapter two exactly mirror uh, Micah chapter uh, the chapter four, the first for first four verses that y'all read. I, it is amazing, and you not only find that in Isaiah. Uh, in the New Testament, you'll find some of the phraseology that even Peter uses, that that Paul used elsewhere, and and it is it is neat. I think it I think it demonstrates the power of the Holy Spirit speaking, but I think it authenticates the other Alex. You know, mm-hmm. uh, in other words, what Isaiah said and what Micah re, you know shares that that it is compounded. Uh, it, it drives the point home, I think. Go ahead. Well, in at least four places, Micah is quoted in the New Testament, in uh, Matthew and Luke. And so uh, the Bible complements the Bible. And we said earlier that Micah is almost like an abbreviated version of Isaiah. And that's one of the beautiful things, the harmony of God's Word. And it really does all point us to Jesus. It does. Hey, we got lines that are open, so if you want to call... You can call 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, and we think we'll get to your call today. But right now, let's go to Texas and talk to Mark. Mark, welcome. Yeah, hi. How are you? Doing great. Good. Yeah, I had a question. In, um, when Jesus is giving his Sermon on the Mount in Chapter 7, he tells uh, – he says that his way um, – for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. But then in chapter 11, Jesus Jesus tells people to come to him, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just, um, I'm having a hard time. Is, is it hard or is it easy? I, I'm kind of confused by it okay great Mm. question mark that is a a wonderfully structured question i commend you it is now the way to jesus christ is very narrow he is the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by him uh there's a way that seems right to men but the ends thereof are the ways of death so there's many ways to miss god there's only one way to find him, and it is a straight path. It's narrow, and it's through him. And, yes, when it means hard, Mark, I would say, you know, uh, people say, oh, come to Christ, it's a bed of roses. Well, the bed of roses has thorns in it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus made it plain. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. I think the Christian life is filled with difficulty, but we have a friend that goes that's closer than a brother and that friendship i think is mentioned about my yoke being easy alex you know Mm -hmm. and come and learn of me so after you walk you have that friend that sticks closer than a brother and uh, you know i think it's talking about one is talking about coming to christ the narrow way the other one is following christ in discipleship Mm. um I want to give a C.S. Lewis quote, then I want to comment on a verse. C.S. Lewis, great scholar of years past, died in 1963, but Lewis said, it's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting, it has been found difficult and left untried, you know. Now, uh, Proverbs 14.12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, 
but the end thereof is death. Now, when Jesus said, narrow is the way of life and few there be that find it, uh, it's like you said, Bert, there, there are innumerable ways to die lost, but there's only one way to die saved, and that's by having put your faith in Christ. And Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Being a Christian is, is joyous, but just because it, it is wonderful doesn't mean everybody accepts it. Sadly, tragically, many, even though it's wonderful and Christ offers himself, nevertheless, many do reject, don't they, Bert? They do. Now, let me just tell you, I've said this and I want to say it again. The people who are lost live in a fallen world, so they're going to, they're going to you know, it's going to rain on the just and the unjust. Also, you're going to reap what you sow. I mean, you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap it. But as Christians, we also are disciplined. When we get out of line, God disciplines us. He doesn't have to discipline the lost. They're, they're not following him. Also, it says he prunes us that we might bear fruit, and he prunes us even more that we might bear much fruit. So I'm telling you, the Christian uh, life is fulfilling. It's the most fulfilling life that you could have. Uh, but, I, you know, it is. it comes uh, as as we, you know, discipline, uh, disciple, it comes from discipline, and we follow him. But we have that friend that goes with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. And many times, Alex, he's carrying us through. If we mm. were on our own, uh, we would fail, but he carries us through. Thank you, Mark. Indeed, great, he does. Man, great questions today. Let's go to Louisiana and talk to Joshua. Joshua, welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, my question is, when believers die before the return or before Christ comes and gets his bride, uh, do they go to like a holding place? Uh, like Jesus said, today you will see me in paradise to the thief on the cross. Okay, great question. Is that like a holding place in heaven? Okay. Alex, go ahead and answer that. We want to try to get one another question in after this, so we'll get more. Go ahead. Uh, well, do you know what? The Bible tells us that when Jesus died on the cross, this is 1 Peter three nineteen, that uh, Jesus went into the realm of the dead, preached to the spirits in prison, and led captivity captive. Now, we remember that Paul had written in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. As I understand all of Scripture right now, prior to Christ's resurrection, uh, the believing dead, the saved of old, were in a realm called Abraham's bosom. But Jesus, as he ascended or, or rose from the dead over that Easter weekend, um, the saved of old were taken to heaven. So at this point, I believe... When a, a Christian dies, they are instantly in heaven, God's heaven, the real heaven. Now, later on, they're going to get a permanent glorified body. And what, what the saved are now versus what the glorified body is going to be, I don't completely understand that. But, Bert, I believe that instantly the believer is really in heaven, as Paul indicated in 2 Corinthians 5.8. Amen. I agree. Joshua, thank you. We hope that helps. Let's try to get this call in and go to Florida and talk to Jock. Jock, welcome. Hey, I, it's so good getting on the phone, getting getting getting, on, getting a hold of you. I've called so many times. Well, I'm glad you got through, brother. 
Ah. Yes, yeah. Such a beautiful ministry. Um, so much confirmation that comes through from uh, listening to God's Word. I, I drive a truck, uh, California to Florida, done it all the way through the pandemic. Oh, thank wow. you. Praise yeah. the Lord for truck yeah, drivers. Yeah, I thank the Lord for every worker that's out here. Everyone's an essential worker. Believe Amen. me, we need everyone. Now, there is some categories we might get rid of, but uh, that's further up the uh, ladder. But um, my question is, I got a couple questions, but in the in the gathering, when, uh, when, when um, the wheat and the thistle, or the shaft, and they said no, just let it. He said no, just let it come up, and then we'll harvest the the, the thistle or shaft first, and then and throw it in the fire, and then gather the wheat um, or the harvest. Also, in where he said, um, speaking of uh, hew, hewing down the um, earthly um, vineyard and gathering the earthly fruit, earthly fruit, and then putting it in a wine press. Okay. Um, hey, Jock, we got enough. I think yes, we can comment on that. Uh, I'm, I reason, we got one minute left. Alex, uh, comment on the gathering of the, uh, the harvest. Well, you know, in Matthew 13, Jesus talked about wheat and tares. And, you know, let me say this. Uh, outwardly, nowadays, we can see people and we think, well, somebody, that's a good person. Well, the question is not what we outwardly, visibly see. The question is, in your heart, have you trusted Jesus? And for those that had gone through the motions but not been saved, it's going to be a sad day when they leave this world. And, and God only looks in the heart. We look outward. Yes, we make some observations, and we can make, quote, those kind of judgments, but eternal judgment is in the hand of God. And those weed and they tares, they look a whole lot alike, and until the harvest comes, you may not even know which one is which, but God mm. knows. Thank you, Jock. Hey, we're going to have Fire Away Friday tomorrow, Alex. I'm going to be excited about that. How about you? All questions for the whole hour. Tune in tomorrow. Hey, tell somebody about Exploring the Word. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.